0: Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. As always, I want to thank you for coming back for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. I always love coming back and checking in with you, and I I hope you love joining me, and I hope you like the information that you hear. And if there's ever anything in particular that you would like for me to talk about, then let me know. Send me an email, info at travelingculturati.com and i'll make sure that i cover it the next time today i'm chatting with friend and fellow travel professional morel howard and we're bringing you travel news and hot topics hello morel and welcome back hello hello
1: hello thanks for having me back i'm so happy to be here
0: yeah it's been such a while if you all remember for those of you who have been with me for the duration you know that morel used to do a segment feature with us called pre and post travel tips and morel and i have known each other for quite some time in the industry and we've both have been travel professionals for quite some time as well. So we always like having shop talk. So we'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But Morel, why don't we get into some travel news? We're practically back in full effect with Mm -hmm. travel these days. So I have more news to share with you. One of the things I want to talk about as travel is rebounding are the busiest airports in the United States, especially ahead of the holiday season, because this may impact your travels. And it's just knowing how busy an airport is and what you should do to kind of navigate that. And if you can avoid them during the peak periods, please do. Because <laughs> a busier airport means that it may take you a bit more time to navigate the airport. So there's the top 10 So why don't we start from the bottom and work our way up? I was surprised that this airport came in number 10. I really thought they would be higher on the list, but JFK, New York John F. Kennedy International Airport is the 10th busiest airport. Mm -hmm. It's the busiest airport in New York, Mm -hmm. but it's the 10th busiest on this particular list.
1: I'm slightly surprised that it is on this list because with JFK, with all of the international flights, that are coming in, and then travelers, passengers going from JFK over to LaGuardia. It is actually like a world oil machine. It honestly is.
0: According to the airport's official data before the pandemic, it used to receive over 60 million passengers a year but they have an 18.795% of their flights are either delayed or canceled. And this period was between July, 2019 and July, 2021. So they're ranking 10th on this list with the busiest airport and just some of the things that you should consider. And so what we're gonna talk about is the percentage of canceled and delayed flights. And that's very important for you to know. And number nine, I was really surprised with San Antonio. San Antonio. I really didn't think San Antonio would be that busy of an airport. I went there this past summer to visit a friend and Mm -hmm. it's quite a small airport, but it is the busiest. It's located approximately eight miles north of San Antonio. I also didn't realize that San Antonio is the second most populous city
1: (laughs) in Texas. Well, I can understand that because it is a hub for flights that are coming in and out of uh, Mexico. So I can actually see
0: that. Yeah, I did realize that once I realized that it is that hub, I could understand. Mm-hmm. But it receives 10.4 million passengers, or did in 2019. And 19.03% mm-hmm. of its flights were delayed or canceled. Mm-hmm. And so the next one on our list is Orlando, Orlando right. International Airport. And of course, That's the Disney World (laughs) Airport. So, yes, it has a very, very popular attraction. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I could see how that one is busy. So Orlando is the largest airport in Florida and Mm -hmm. six miles southeast of downtown Orlando has over 850 daily flights on about 44 airlines. And they serve 135 domestic and international destinations, 19.22% of their flights into the airport are either delayed or canceled. And the next up on our list is Boston Logan International Airport. Mm -hmm. That one I can kind of understand. It's a busy hub Mm -hmm. on the East Coast. A lot of flights Mm -hmm. go in and out, especially to Europe. And now that flights have resumed between the U.S. and Europe, I just hope we can get the staffing numbers up so that we can support all of these flights. Boston Logan International Airport is the largest in New England for both passenger traffic and for cargo handling. It's Mm -hmm. the busiest airport in the Northeast, just behind New York City. But their delays and cancellation, that percentage is
1: 19.39. So it puts them in number six. And I do want to add to this with the cargo handling. Now, in layman's terms, what the cargo handling is, is your Amazon package is being delivered to your home. So that's where cargo is, in addition to all other goods and products that are coming in that are being transported from A to B here in the United States. The Boston airport, by them being the largest New England traffic airport, it is also the number one when it comes to cargo. And then that's why it is number six on here and probably has a very high rate of delays and cancellations. I'm always going to go back to our shortest when it comes to the airline, and that affects Not just a couple of days down the line, because not only are we making up for the canceled or delayed flights, we're also having to go into the next day's flight as well without interrupting those.
0: We have New Orleans, the Louis Armstrong New Orleans International Airport comes in number six. They're actually tied with Boston Logan International Airport with 19.39% of its flights delayed or canceled. And again, the period we're talking about is between July 2019 and July of 2021. Number five on the list is Palm Beach International Airport, Florida. And I was really surprised at Palm Beach International airport making this list because one, I didn't really think it was that busy of an airport. So to to meet anybody's top 10, but again, this is the top 10 busiest airports with the most delays and cancellations from the 2019 and the 2021 period. So Mm -hmm. this airport is located just 2.5 miles from West Palm Beach. And I guess because it's an easy access to all of South Florida, and it's a number eight top-ranked destination from Conde Nast Travelers to the 2019 Reader's Choice Award.
1: That's kind of just like a restful place, getting away from the world even though you're here in the United States, you know, the sunshine state. So a lot of people started to gravitate towards Florida because their rules and regulations were a lot more relaxed than other parts of the country. And it was easier for them just to not to be stressed and to just enjoy themselves.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're talking about here a a 19 point point seven, six percent of its flights that were delayed or canceled, despite them getting really good reviews overall as far as Mm -hmm. the airport itself. And number four on the list is Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International Airport. Now, this one I understand because I know its relationship with Miami and its proximity to Miami. So this one I certainly understand. And oftentimes I've gone into Fort Lauderdale instead of Miami when I'm searching for airfares and things of such.
1: And I understand this one as well, because of the cruise ships and the ports of call that are down there, you're more likely to go into Fort Lauderdale for a cruise versus Miami sometimes. So this one completely makes sense at its rate. Over 700 daily departures, both
0: domestic and international, to more than 75 destinations. And it's the 18th busiest airport in all of the United States in terms of passengers. So we're looking at their delay 20.22%. And number three on the list is Dallas Fort Worth International Airport, or DFW. They're ranked number three on this list with 20.77% of flights delayed or canceled. So this one's very interesting, but I guess because they're in the middle of the country as well.
1: And then also they're in between two major cities, Dallas and Fort Worth, hence DFW. So they're not only taking on the Dallas residents, but also the Fort Worth residents combined together. And uh, with their operational duties that are coming in, international cargo and all of those things, I can see why they're number three on this list.
0: Absolutely. And fifth busiest airport in the world in terms of operation. So we're closing in on the top two. And LaGuardia Airport reached number two on the list. 22.52% of their flights are delayed or canceled during the same period. And they serve New York, obviously. And most people would select LaGuardia over New York, especially if you're traveling domestically or if you're just visiting New York. I think we often see JFK as that international airport, plus LaGuardia is closer to the city or easier access to the city as well.
1: It is coordinated chaos. That is a very busy, hectic, chaotic airport. And they just definitely deserve this space at number two. And in 2019, they received
0: over 3 million passengers.
1: I'm just happy that they
0: have renovated. It was horrible, especially some terminals at LaGuardia International Airport before the renovations. And I think they were a bit embarrassed by some of the leaders of our country who had traveled to LaGuardia saying, what is going on? Why is this airport looking like this? With the amount of traffic that it gets. And number one on the list is another East Coast airport, another airport that serves New York as well. And that is Newark Liberty International Airport. It is number one on the list of delays and cancellations with 24.29. Now that's a full like 2% above the number two spot. I'm not surprised that they're on the list of busiest airports, but I am surprised with the number of delays because Newark used to be the go-to saying, if you want to avoid the hectic pace of LaGuardia and JFK, you go to Newark. So I guess with that increase is why they've now taken the number one spot.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it says that they have the highest number of passengers in history with a recorded 46,366,452 passengers. So they understood the assignment and they knew to go to Newark versus LaGuardia because it would be easier. I also
0: think It has a lot to do with the merger when United Airlines took over Continental, which was years ago, but it became a hub of United. So United Airlines is one of the number one airlines in the world. So they have a lot of flights going in and out of there. They have a lot of flights going to Europe out of there as well. So I think that merger has a lot to do with the increase of traffic to Newark Liberty International Airport. More than 10,000 shoppers turned out for the opening of the new Black Wall Street market. No, it's not in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is in Atlanta or just outside of Atlanta in Stonecrest, Georgia. Mm-hmm. On their opening day, they welcomed over 10,000 people. It had been very much anticipated. It's a 125,000 square foot, super target building that they took over from the Stonecrest Mall. It's about 16 miles east of Atlanta's downtown. It's also a great tourist spot. So if you're in Atlanta, you definitely want to check out the Black Wall Street Market. And it's only 16 miles east of Atlanta. And any and everything you can consider there. We're talking about a 125,000 square foot facility that's showcasing Black business owners
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Black-owned Do, products.
1: I love one of their core goals that this space is a new retail experience to foster operational excellence in these areas. And I love that operational excellence. And I'm excited about all of these new businesses.
0: Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, I'm going to continue my conversation with fellow travel professional Morel Howard. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit our website, travelingculturati.com. And I want you to connect with me on social media and join that travel club. Some of you are joining me to Ghana. I'm so excited about that coming up January 21st through the 29th. And also remember, we've got Dubai and the Maldives. Oh, that's a fabulous trip. And we're approaching a period where we're going to have to stop sales on that. So if you're considering it, delay no more. Make sure you head on over to the website and sign up for that. We're also working with Afro Zones and Afro Zones also on HUR Voices or Afrobeats, going to Dubai March 3rd through the 9th. And this is going to be a party. It is going to be a big, fun party. We have some fantastic rates. So for AfroZone's Dubai Sound Off, go to AdvantageGroupTravel.com. We have some fabulous prices there and some nice packages. Of course, it's going to include the Dubai Expo and some radio personalities. Also, Lonnie Love is going to be there from Cafe Mocha. So, again, go to advantagegrouptravel.com or you can go to afrozonesdxb.com. That's A F R O Z O N S D X B.com. And you can find Advantage Group Travel there. Well, Morel Howard is in the house. It's been quite some time since she has joined me, and I'm always excited to chat with a fellow travel professional. Welcome back, Morel.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love doing these
0: shows with you. Great. Now, Morel, as I said, it's been quite some time. So I want to check in with you and see what have you been doing in all this time?
1: Well, a couple of things. Um, Got back into the industry, meaning working with the airlines at the airport and starting to do more independent travel planning with you, through you as an independent agent with Advantage International and just working on trying to build up my knowledge and my business.
0: You're what we call an FIT agent or travel professional. What does that mean?
1: It's an independent traveler. And what I do is that I book independent travel for individuals or groups, or even just smaller groups of people. So if someone were to want to go to Dubai before or after your trip that you have, then I can book that independent free traveler trip for them before or after.
0: Okay, great. And you just have taken on a new position as well, which puts you at the
1: airport. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us about that? Yes, I can. I am on the other side of the counter. I am a passenger service agent or PAX with Swiss Port Corporation, and we are outsourced by certain airlines like Air Portugal, Air Mexico, and United Emirates or Emirates. And my main airline is TAP, Air Portugal. So I check in our passengers. When they come in, I verify their documents. And then I go to the gate and I receive our passengers that are coming in from Lisbon. And then we do a turnaround and the people that we just checked in, we make sure they get off to Lisbon in a timely fashion.
0: So how has that experience been being at the airport?
1: I love it. I really do love being at the airport. I just love getting out the house and being around people. And you know how I feel in the movie Coming to America when Eddie Murphy's at the basketball game and he stood up and he's just like, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, You know, I love it. You know, I get it to the airport. I'm like, I'm so excited to be here. And the employees are like, be quiet. And the passengers are like, I don't want to be here in this line. I'm like, I'm excited to be here. How are you guys doing? You know, so I love it. I love being on the other side of the counter. But my 20-plus years experience in travel, tourism, and hospitality gives me an edge because I already know certain protocols and procedures of what's needed. And it's easier for me to acclimate faster. And I can still continue my good customer service with the passengers and giving them ins and outs and good tips of things to do, how to check in effectively and efficiently and faster. So I'm enjoying it. And I don't mind the drive out there.
0: So how have the passengers been, though? How have people been at the airport?
1: A lot of them are nice. The issue that we are running into, and this is something that we will speak about a little bit later in the program, is that because I work with Air Portugal and our main hub is Lisbon, the Portuguese government requires anyone that's entering into their country as a final destination or a transit meaning they're transferring or connecting from Lisbon to another country, you must have a negative COVID test in addition to a valid passport that's valid three months after your return, unless you're going home and you need a vaccination card and then you need your passenger record list, meaning that you need to fill out some medical documentation or we call it a QR code. Or if you have a European card, like I said, if you're going home, then you're fine. However, you need a negative COVID test within 48 to 72 hours prior to your departure. And the main thing that we get all the time is that people come in and say, well, it didn't say that on the website. You guys didn't say that. It didn't say that here. It doesn't say that there. And they get upset and irate because they don't have the proper documentation. One of the things that the airport does offer in Terminal 1 in the lower level, they do offer COVID testing for you, the antigen, the rapid COVID testing. So by the time you get from Terminal Terminal 5, which is where I am, going to Terminal 1. And by the time you get back, within 15, 20 minutes, you should have your test results. And the passengers, unfortunately, they want to argue with us and say, well, I'm getting married. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It doesn't matter what you're doing. This is the Portuguese government. These are their rules and regulations. And we are just enforcing them because we can't send you without a negative COVID test. Because if we do, you get there, they're going to send you right back. And then we get fined as an airline for that thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm glad you brought
0: that up because we are going to talk about the unvaccinated traveler. But in this case, it doesn't matter whether you're vaccinated or not. But I have a friend who experienced that. And she was going to Spain, to Barcelona. She left last week. She contacted me because she said, I have to delay my flight till the next day because I'm flying on Tap Air, Portugal. And I was not advised that I need a negative COVID test transiting or connecting in Lisbon. She's vaccinated and Spain doesn't require vaccinated travelers to produce a negative COVID test. So she went on Spain's requirements or COVID protocols And I asked her that. I said, well, usually in these situations, they will post it on their website or it'll be in your contract of carriage. You know, when you get your e-ticket confirmation from the airline, it will say that in the requirements. But she went back to it and she said that it was not stated, that it was a little difficult reading, you know, a lot of the information because it's first in Portuguese and then second, everything is in English. But yeah, that's very interesting. So it's very important. And I talked about this on my Facebook Live, that you might have to get a negative COVID test if you are transiting, connecting in another country. So you have to make sure that you look up the terms and conditions or the COVID protocols for every destination that you have, even if you're just connecting with an airline. So it's it's interesting that we're talking about that because, yes, I just had a friend who had to delay and then she actually went on another airline. And those COVID testing sites at the airport. They're not 24-7. So the other issue that she dealt with was that she said it wasn't open at the time that she would need it.
1: That is true. The one that's in O'Hare's Terminal 1, because of the daylight saving time, it used to be open until 7.30, 8.30. Now it's only open until 7.30. And I think that there is a fee for it as well versus it being complimentary, like if you were to go to a CVS or Walgreens.
0: So it's very important that you know the COVID protocols, and even if something isn't stated or that you can easily see, make sure that you specifically look it up. And my rule of thumb is this, just get the negative COVID test, whether you're (laughs) vaccinated or not, because you can never go wrong with a negative COVID test. And as you said, it's free Mm -hmm. at most facilities, private facilities, no, but you know, at public facilities, like if I go to my doctor's office and she calls in an order for me, I can just go over and get it done. And it's complimentary, you know, so it's better to just have it
1: better to be safe than sorry. I just took a COVID test yesterday. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm getting my booster shot within the next week, but just to err on the side of caution, because it is not mandated that you be vaccinated in order to work with Swiss or tap airlines. And in speaking with my new coworkers, some of them aren't vaccinated. And even though we have to wear our mask, we're touching the computers, we're over each other's shoulders, we're helping and assisting each other. So the six feet distance doesn't exist for us behind the counter. So I just wanted to err on the side of caution. And I took the antigen test yesterday. And of course, it came back negative, but that made me feel much better. So
0: how often are you getting tested? It, of course, it's not required for you to do so, but how often are you doing that? Or is it, maybe is it required?
1: It isn't required, but just for me to err on the side of caution is better to be safe than sorry. And especially when I found out that some of my new coworkers, they're not vaccinated and they still have some apprehension about the vaccine and things like that. And because we're working in such close proximity with each other, that made me nervous. So yesterday I've been working with them in training actually, for about four weeks. So I'm still in training. So I probably will take it maybe once a month just to err on the side of caution because I am working with them right now. So yeah, yeah, maybe about once a month, I'll see as I go along, because I'm not feeling bad or anything. And that's just another thing. I could be a carrier of it. And I don't want to make sure that I'm spreading it to anyone else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot to consider. And a lot has changed rule wise or protocols for the United States, whether you are vaccinated or not. But certainly, if you are not vaccinated, there are a lot of things you really need to pay attention to, as I just mentioned with my friend who's going to a conference in Spain. She's vaccinated but still needed to get the negative COVID test. But if you're not vaccinated, you may need to get tested more often at your destination as well. And the rules have changed for you returning to the United States. I have been planning... Some trips, and I have some already, you know, we're going to Dubai in February and in March. And talking with Dubai tourism, we have learned that if you're going to some attractions, if you're going to the Dubai Expo or the conference center there, then you have to produce a negative COVID test within 24 hours of visiting the facility. That's for unvaccinated travelers. Also, as I'm planning to put together a program for Greece in September of 2022, the current COVID protocols that we went over with our ground handler is that some museums and some attractions also are going to require unvaccinated travelers to produce a negative COVID test within 24 hours of entering the facility. So what will happen is upon entering, you'll need to show proof of your vaccination. If not, then you're going to have to show proof of a negative COVID test. So you have to be prepared for that and understand you can still travel if you're not vaccinated. However, some countries have said, no, you can't come here if you're not vaccinated. Some countries say, yes, you can, but you need to do additional COVID testing.
1: You're absolutely correct. As of Portugal, you can't even get into it or pass without having a negative COVID test. And also it's up to the traveler to be proactive about where they're going and the documents that they need. And especially in this time of COVID that we're in, I wish that they were a lot more flexible and easygoing about this. Sometimes it can be confusing with your friend, she's going to Spain, but she actually transitioned in Portugal. You know, it is on our website but sometimes trying to navigate it could be a little bit difficult. And I understand that. And I appreciate that of our passengers. However, when you're at the airport and you're checking in, it's harder if you're going to argue with us, telling us what you don't need versus us knowing what you need. Make sure you dot all your I's and cross all your T's and you do your due diligence. Like you said, every place that you're going. If you're going to a museum, make sure you know what those requirements are prior to you getting there so that you have the proper documentation. you're not arguing with the person that works there, letting you know what you need to get in.
0: Arguing the point just isn't going to suit you if the requirement is the requirement. That's just is what it is. But also because things are still very fluid. Policies are continually changing, like the United States just reopened its borders November 8th this past week. And so a lot of people are coming in from Europe and a lot of people are coming in, especially for the holidays this year, who couldn't travel Last year, and a lot of us domestically just stayed home, self-included, I opted to stay home, but a lot has changed. And those policies just changed November 8th as our borders have reopened. And what that also means is that there's a difference in COVID protocols for the vaccinated versus unvaccinated traveler. Coming into the United States, everyone has to be vaccinated if you are a foreign traveler. If you are a U.S. traveler returning to the United States, you don't have to be vaccinated, but... If you're not vaccinated, your COVID protocols are different than those of those who are
1: vaccinated. That is true. Speaking about borders, we had two passengers yesterday that were going to Spain. And somehow something was missed because Spain's borders are not open now. They will be open on November the 30th of this month. They bought their tickets, they came on in, wanted to check in and we checked the policy and they couldn't go. They could not go. I don't know where the miscommunication was or happened, where they booked, whom they booked with. But that's a part of me saying that I'm so adamant about this, The passengers, please do your due diligence about where you're going and the travel documents that you need, because now their trip is postponed for another two weeks. And this is something different versus a delayed flight or a canceled flight. So they have to rebook and do everything all over again with us.
0: And my friend was going to a conference in Spain. She's actually in Barcelona now. So maybe that was listed under business travel. So maybe there are different mm. travel types that they're allowing in. Or I think it's that they weren't vaccinated. Because my friend's vaccinated and she's going to a conference in Barcelona that she's there now.
1: You're absolutely correct. There are different types of travelers, but you need that documentation. Good example, students, military people. There are certain people that can go in that the rules and regulations are a lot more relaxed for them. Business travel, it can be very tricky you can be an entrepreneur or working for a company so that could be very very tricky and then also being on the airline side we should make it a little bit more easier for our clients i do know on our website it's at the very top and then once you key in where you're going and all the details is right underneath that too so we have to take responsibility for our part and our share in this too yeah. about making it more readily available and more clear To the client, especially if they're traveling Air Portugal, you know, it should be, you have to have a negative COVID test regardless of what your final destination is. Yeah. And that's
0: really where the confusion comes in because for every country, there's a different protocol. And Then for different airlines, there's different protocols. So if you're visiting more than one destination, you really need to check them all. And yeah, it would be nice if universally there was one COVID protocol, but unfortunately it isn't. And also the documentation that's required. For example, when I went to Croatia this past summer, I had to go on their website and fill out their health document. And upon arrival, you have to show that health document. And it's a QR code that they then scan. And then also how this information is communicated. In Europe, they do have these QR codes that are generated. They do have these systems already in place. I'm not sure what it's like for non-U.S. citizens coming into the United States, but we didn't have those health document forms that we had to complete as U.S. citizens returning to the United States. But we did have to have the negative COVID test. So there's a lot that you have to navigate. And I can tell you that my travel experience has been seemingly easy But I knew all of the protocols going in, and I followed all of those things. And even for my travelers, I presented that information to them, the proper links. And these are the things they knew they had to do. And then I double-checked everything a month prior, two weeks prior, one week prior, and even a couple of days prior to make sure that nothing had changed. And then also communicating with your ground company. So if you're booking a hotel, or if you're booking with a tour company, double check with them as well whether or not protocols have changed and what they are currently.
1: And thank you for being an excellent and wonderful travel professional in this industry, because when your clients come to my counter, you're making my life much, much easier. I humbly thank you for that. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Because Lord have mercy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's just a lot to consider today. But again, if you do your due diligence, it can be a simple process. It's not a process if you're not in the know of everything that you need to do. So we have the holiday season coming up and Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And then we have the Christmas holiday coming up in December amongst others. And that means that we're hitting the road, whether we're driving or flying domestically, internationally. Holiday travel is something of its own. (laughs) And so even if you're a seasoned traveler, like myself, you even have to mentally prepare for holiday travel because now a lot more people are traveling A lot more flights are happening, especially now that the airlines have added more flights in preparation of a busier holiday season and that so many people stayed home last year. So I think it's going to be quite exciting and very different this year.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. This is an oldie but goodie. This topic never gets old because it's so fluid and always changing. And then just speaking about holiday travel makes me excited, even if I'm not going anyplace. It makes me excited. It's the holidays.
0: Yeah. And I hope the airports are all decked out like they usually are. The lights and the decorations are the things that I love about the holiday season. And uh, everybody's just in a more cheerful mood.
1: Yes, I can tell you that O'Hare airport is suited and booted. We are ready. (laughs) We have everything up. We have the angels and the reefs. So yes, we are good to go. Oh,
0: great. So let's talk about some of these holiday travel tips so that we can hopefully make it a little bit easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. One of the things top on my list is, first of all, you've got to pack some patience with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Some patience and a good attitude. Just go with it. Like you said, arguing a point. It doesn't change anything. What do I need to do? Okay, let me do that. And packing that patience because again, you're going to have a lot of people at the airport. Lines are going to be longer. People who don't travel often are going to be there. And navigating an airport can be very cumbersome, especially if it's not something that you're used to. So pack that patience and don't be so agitated about the little things that. Pop up or other people. Bring a good pair of headphones and tune everybody out if you need to. What's one of your top travel tips for surviving holiday travel?
1: Arrive early to the airport. The rule of thumb is domestic flights arrive one hour ahead, international flights arrive two hours ahead. I'm going to add an additional hour onto that because of numerous reasons. More people are traveling this season, the lines are going to be much longer and the airlines are short-staffed. So whereas a counter would normally have 10 agents, maybe they're down to five. And the amount of people that are in the lines are double. So arrive earlier. It's better to arrive earlier and to cop a squad after you pass through TSA and just enjoy the atmosphere of the airport versus being late or delayed and coming in and there's a very long line and we have to close the gate.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Just grab yourself a cup of coffee and maybe breakfast if it's in the morning and kick your heels up and just relax. It's better to be on the other side of security (laughs) relaxing than always stressing out and trying to decide if you're going to make the flight. And I am going to add to leave for the airport early because that's extremely important to leave for the airport early because it is the winter and because it is the winter, you may be dealing with road conditions, but also there are a lot more people on the road at the time because it is the holidays and a lot of people may be even going to the airport. One thing I find is that sometimes airport traffic is worse than road traffic. So maybe you got to the airport in no time, but getting into the airport itself then is difficult because of the holiday traffic. So give yourself plenty of time leaving home to get to The airport. Give yourself an extra half an hour at least to navigate it all. Another one of my tips, I think, is to take the earliest flight of the day. If you are taking the first flight of the day, (laughs) one, it's not as busy as the rest of the flights, it's not as booked. And also, if there's a flight delay, there's a much greater chance that you'll get on another flight versus if you're taking the last flight of the day or a flight late in the evening.
1: Bingo. I love that tip. Absolutely. Because you can get out on the next flight versus if this last flight, you have to wait until the next day.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think another one for me is booking early. So if you haven't already booked your travel for Thanksgiving, prices may already be quite high. And then also you really need to start looking at Christmas too, I actually changed my return ticket just last week or just this past weekend. I wanted to stay a little bit longer and I was able to change my ticket with no penalty and no fare difference. So there are some seats out there. There's still some good airfares out there, but don't delay because the airlines don't have as many flights as they did before and the flights are booking up and more people are flying home this year. So if you haven't already booked your ticket, go ahead and do so. But also in doing that, pick the right travel date. <laughs> that's very important. Yes. And that will determine not only your airfare, but the availability. For example, with Thanksgiving, if you can fly out on Monday, that's going to be the least expensive day to fly so far, maybe even Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And another thing is you can fly on Thanksgiving itself. That might be you know, really help. Don't fly Wednesday before Thanksgiving. That's going to be the busiest day that people are flying. And alternatively, coming back that Sunday will be the busiest day. So if you can delay it until Monday, that would be great and better for you. The same with Christmas, that for the Christmas period, December 21st is going to be you know, one of the best days. I booked a flight going home on the 22nd, but I booked it a month ago and I got a really good fare. But starting now, Wednesday, those fares are creeping up before Christmas. That's the 22nd. And again, if you're leaving the 23rd, 24th, it's going to be quite busy. And you can also look at flying on Christmas day. If you go out maybe on that first flight in the morning, you might be able to snag a really good airfare. So what are some of your other tips, Mar-El?
1: I live by this creed, travel insurance, travel insurance, travel insurance, please purchase travel insurance for numerous reasons, especially now with flights being canceled and delayed. If you have travel insurance, if you become ill, if you test positive for a COVID test by you purchasing travel insurance, you will be covered with that.
0: I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, travelingculturati.com. Go ahead and check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join that. Travel Club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And I am joined by Morel Howard, fellow travel professional and longtime friend. And we want to talk about the culture of traveling and using a travel professional. And I think that's very important, especially now. I think travel professionals are very instrumental now with helping navigate all of these COVID protocols and all of the changes and challenges that you may have traveling today because of it.
1: I agree 100%. And I'm just not saying that because both of us are travel professionals, but in this day and age of COVID, it is best that you get someone that knows what they're doing and do all the dirty work for you as far as what you need to travel to every single destination. We are invaluable with doing that because we can let you know exactly what you need. Absolutely. So let's talk about choosing
0: the right travel professional because we're not all created equally. Some Mm -hmm. have years of experience, some are just getting into the business. Some have specialties, niche markets, and a select set of skills. And some do particular destinations, and some do the entire world. Some are more general travel professionals, which means anything you ask of them to do, they will be able to do for you. And then some have a very narrowed focus on what they do. So it's very, very important that you choose the right travel professional.
1: That is correct. And I think that you should start by Asking around, asking your social circle, your family, your friends, hey, do you know a travel agent? Have you traveled to so-and-so before? Can you recommend someone? Start at home. Start with the people that are around you. That is the most invaluable piece of finding the perfect travel agent,
0: I think. Well, yeah, certainly referrals will definitely help because here's somebody who has experienced that service with the travel professional and- they have had a good experience. So people aren't going to refer you to someone they didn't have a good experience with. So yes, that's very, very important because it is a service and that's somebody who has delivered with them. So chances are they will deliver with you as well. Where do we research for a travel agent if we don't have a referral?
1: Social networks, meaning there are different groups that are on social media. You can Google about the destination that you're wanting to go in and looking for a travel agent in that particular destination. And because of the affiliates and the associations that industry professionals are a part of, their names will pop up either in your area or just in general for that particular area.
0: Absolutely. That's a great place to start. You can also look at some of the Official associations, as you talked about, affiliations and associations, like with ASTA, American Society of Travel Advisors. You can also look to CLIA. CLIA is the Cruise Line International Association, and these will be agents or agencies that specialize in, in cruising. So there are associations and affiliations that you can look as well. And they will have registered professionals on their sites, and you can filter it with your area. So if you prefer to have somebody in your area or not, because it really doesn't matter today. So those are really good. And IATA is another one, the International Air Transport Authority. Although even if it's not just talking about airlines, they are an organization where travel professionals can register. And so whether they're selling hotels or airlines or total packages or car rental or specific destinations. But I do like your idea of the Google search Especially when you're going to particular destinations, because if you're looking to somebody who is going to have that area of expertise for that destination, and you want to book with somebody on the ground at that destination, let's say you're going to Charleston, South Carolina, then you want to go to the tourism page of Charleston, or just do a Google search to see about some independence as well. Don't overlook independence because independence sometimes give you that very specialized service and approach.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Another thing that's very important, and I'm speaking from personal experience, is to understand the type of trip that your client wants to go on, meaning if they're wanting to do a more active trip, they're wanting just to backpack through Europe, if they have a particular budget they're needing to stay within, if they want to do something that's on the higher end. When I first started out, I would give my clients all the bells and whistles and I would put all the bells and whistles, send it over to them. I will follow back up with them. Two or three weeks later, I call them and they said, I literally have gotten this, well, I booked with someone else because you were too high. I said, well, I gave you what you wanted. This is what you said that you wanted. You want it, you know, top notch, this and that. Well, I didn't know it was going to be that high. So I booked with someone else. So make sure that you understand the type of traveler that you are booking travel for.
0: And that's a great tip for the travel professional. And I think what also needs to be done is drafting a list of questions, both ways that the traveler should ask the questions of the travel professional while they're looking to vet the right travel professional for them. And having those right questions answered for you, like how long have you been in business? I think that's very important because that's someone who, if the longer they've been in business or the longer they've been a travel professional, they know a lot of ins and outs and they've experienced a lot. So that experience will come with a lot of knowledge.
1: Absolutely. Being a good communicator, that's very important as well, that with choosing the correct travel agent, are you going to... Just book with them and then that's it. You never hear from them again. Or what is their customer service like? Are they going to reach out to you throughout the booking process, not just to get the booking, but are you building a relationship with them? What is your past history look like with your clients? Do you have a lot of repeat clients in this destination or in other destinations? I think that's very important too. Far too many times travel professionals just do what they need to do just to get the booking and that's it.
0: I think also a good question to ask a travel professional is how much do they themselves travel? Are you just a seller of travel or is it something that you really live? Is it something that you have a passion for? Are you traveling yourself and do you have an expertise in a particular destination? I have a lot of experience that I've gained simply because I travel.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. That's where that good customer service comes in at because you can let your client know if you're in Dubai, go to this particular market and ask for so-and-so or get this specific thing. You're absolutely going to love it. Trust me. They will appreciate that so much more than just doing what's on the tourist list of things to do when you go to a place, letting them know what's off the beaten path. It's nothing wrong with all the tourist spots, but that is so important. And I love that in booking air or travel for anything that I do.
0: And then how they interact with you during this process. This first call that you have with them that will give you that indication. You mentioned some things earlier, but these are measures that you want to look at and how they interact with you. How quickly did they return your phone call? Did they pay attention to what you said you wanted? Did they ask you certain questions one of my pet peeves is the first thing that somebody asks you is, what's your budget? I think that's the worst question to ask. I, I know that people will have a budget or what they can and can't afford, but I think that interaction should be getting to know you. And I think that's the sign of a good travel professional. So as you're talking to someone, if the first question they ask you is, what is your budget? I don't know if that's going to be the right one for you. I think the first questions should be in that interaction with you is what has your past travel vacations looked like? What did you enjoy about your last experience? What didn't you enjoy about your last experience? This is a process in that travel professional of getting to know you right? So they're going to respond to you and what you're asking for. And they will learn then to read between the lines as well and understand if you're giving them a checklist, it's not just about that checklist, but it's also about the type of vacation or traveler, the type of vacation you want and the type of traveler you are. And so pay attention to that interaction. And certainly if they take days to call you back from the very first call, may not be somebody that you want to work with. How quickly are they responding to you? How often are they checking in? Because sometimes arranging a program for someone or a package for someone can be time consuming. How did they communicate that to you? Just kind of look at that interaction that you initially get from them.
1: Absolutely. And that is so important because that's what you, what you just said at the very first question, a travel agent asks you is what is your budget versus getting to know what that client, getting to know that client and what are they wanting to experience? Because that's the difference between a one and done and retention. You booking this one particular client, you begin to bond and build a relationship with them. Now you have retention. Now from this one, you have 21 new clients from that one client versus just one and done.
0: And I think, you know, you really need to know, and they should divulge this in this interaction, they should tell you upfront if they charge fees. And a lot of travel agents or travel professionals today charge a fee. We charge a fee. Of course, if we already have a group trip that's going, there's no additional fee for that. The group price is the group price. But if you're coming to me for your own group, or if you're coming to Morel, for example, for an individual trip, there is a fee. Why is there a fee? I think a lot more travelers are experiencing this with travel professionals and not understanding what that fee is and why there is that fee. And that fee is different depending on your travel professional. But that fee is for the service. We are service providers. And so the amount of research that we have to do, the amount of preparedness that we have to do to plan something for you, or even to give you a quote for what you need to do is very time consuming. And you're paying for the years of experience and you're paying for that knowledge that we have as well morell again thanks so much for joining me today and how can someone get in touch with you morell
1: you can reach me at morellhowardtravel.com
0: and how is morell spelled
1: m as in mary o-r-e-l-l
0: well that's it for the show today wherever you go go with all your heart confucius Ladies and-